Chronic viral infections can manifest in two different ways. One group, such as EBV, are immunologically contained after the acute infection. The other group, such as HIV, can lead to persistent viremia and progressive clinical disease. Are there patients who are able to escape the latter without antiviral medications? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is the Director of the Center for AIDS Research at Harvard University, Dr. Bruce Walker. Dr. Walker is also Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School, Director of the Partners AIDS Research Center at Mass General, and a Howard Hughes Medical Institute investigator. He splits his time between the lab, where his research focuses on cellular immune responses to HIV, and treating patients with HIV. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Walker. Thank you. Glad to be here. I appreciate you fitting us in in the midst of all of your responsibilities. Now, Dr. Walker, more than 60 million people worldwide have been infected with HIV. Until a vaccine becomes a reality, you've been looking at ways to decrease the viral load to reduce the risk of transmission. What have you found so far? Well, what we have found is an extraordinary group of people that I think provide the evidence that actually we may be able to ultimately get the upper hand against this disease. What we've been studying are a rare group of individuals who become HIV infected and actually never get sick. So you might ask, what's the longest anybody's been infected with HIV without taking medications? And the answer to that question is now 30 years and counting. 30 years? We know years. of people that were infected in 1978 who are still alive and well, have no CD4 decline, huh. and have never taken anti-HIV medications, look for all intents and purposes entirely well, and yet they're clearly infected. Hmm. How many of these people are there? The frequency is higher than one might think. It's a pro- we, we estimate it to be about 1 in 300 And right now, we're trying to identify and recruit as many of these patients as we possibly can all around the world to try and understand exactly how they achieve this extraordinary equilibrium with the virus. Now, you mentioned that that this has been a global effort. Tell us a bit about how you do that. Well, actually, I'm the reason that I'm delighted to be on your radio show today is because I believe it's probably reaching exactly the audience that we need to reach. Most of the patients that we're looking for are actually not sick, and if they're in the if they're being followed by physicians, they're often not followed in specialty practices, but are followed by general practitioner. Since they haven't been sick and have had no HIV-related complications, they're often just in regular medical care. Mm. And the way that we've been able to recruit the 500 or so patients that we have thus far has been uh, largely by directly contacting physicians. Some of these have been physicians that have large HIV practices. Uh, So if you had 300 patients in your practice, the likelihood is that one of those would be one of these so-called elite controllers, a person who is infected, clearly has antibodies, has an undetectable viral load by RNA-PCR, the standard uh, assays that are done commercially, and is entirely well. Might there be many more of these people that we don't even know have HIV? Well, I think that that's probably the case. So we figure in the United States, you know, there are probably around 900,000 HIV-infected individuals 
the best estimates are that two-thirds of those individuals know that they're HIV-infected. So that would be about 600,000 people would know their, their infection status. Given the way medicine is practiced in the U.S., most of those individuals would have had a viral load test done. So if it's one in 300 patients, we expect that there are probably 2,000 patients anyway in the United States that should know their status and might be recruitable, but there would be 3,000 patients out there, a 1,000 of them not even knowing that they're HIV infected. Now, are there epidemiological factors that you've been able to associate so far with HIV control? Well, that's a really interesting question, and the answer to that is no. There's not anything epidemiologically that we've been able to link to this. It really appears to be something that is not influenced by other infections or diseases that people may have when they get exposed to HIV, but rather it appears to be something that the immune system is doing to keep the virus in check much the way that one would normally keep EBV in check or other chronic viral infections in check. And I think that's what makes this group so extraordinarily important for people to study In a sense, if everybody who became HIV-infected were able to do what these elite controllers do, we would see the epidemic retreat. And the reason for that is that at the very low viral loads that these individuals have, the likelihood that they'll transmit to somebody else, although still possible, is much, much reduced. And the likelihood at the levels of viremia that they experience that they themselves will progress is also very much reduced. So if you have somebody who gets infected and themselves doesn't get sick and is unlikely to transmit it to somebody else, by doing the simple math, the the epidemic's going to get Mm -hmm. smaller. Mm -hmm. And so what, what we and a lot of other people are trying to do is to understand exactly how this happens. And I, I must say, when when one sits down, as I do in my office, to talk to one of these patients, one gets the sense that the answer is right there in these people, and we just have to fish it out. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is AIDS researcher Dr. Bruce Walker. We are discussing the control of viremia in HIV-infected patients. So we're on the cusp of what's potentially a really exciting and global sort of discovery. Well, you know, I think the, the, the challenge to us as clinician scientists is to figure out exactly what's going on in these individuals. And the hope is that we'll find out something that that leads us in the direction of an intervention that can recreate this kind of extraordinary equilibrium in other people that wouldn't normally Mm -hmm. have it. Mm -hmm. Now, that's an optimistic view of this, that in fact, one can convert somebody who's not an elite controller into an elite controller. But I I think there's got to be room for optimism uh, as we're... uh, facing this global epidemic. I returned this morning from South Africa, and I have to say that on the front lines, things are getting no better, but uh, but really getting worse in terms of the the numbers of people infected. There are treatments available now in, in the places that are hardest hit by the epidemic, but 
a solution to this global epidemic is going to require a vaccine that might be in the form of a prophylactic vaccine to prevent infection or what's called a therapeutic vaccine, a way to modulate the immune system to get people to lower viral load the same way that these elite controllers do. What are the potential antiviral mechanisms at play in these elite controllers? Well, that's also a really interesting question. A number of years ago, there was a... So so the question is, could it be just that these people are infected with a wimpy virus, or could it be that their immune systems are somehow really jazzed up and doing a really effective job? Our data thus far indicate that these people are getting infected with normally virulent viruses, but that once those viruses get into their body, their immune systems, particularly their cellular immune systems, CD4 and CD8 T cells that are directed against HIV-infected cells, are the mediators of control in this instance. But it's interesting that part of that control probably relates to mutations that are arising in the viruses once they get into somebody. Those mutations are being induced by the immune responses that are generated against the virus. This is a quite wily virus, and it can mutate quite readily to try and escape from immune responses. And we think what's partly happening is that the immune system is forcing the virus to make mutations that it doesn't want to make that impair its fitness, and that that may be part of what's doing this. So it's a combination both of of an immune response that helps to curtail the infection plus the induction of mutations that happens in the virus as it's trying to escape from detection by the immune system in an infected individual. And if those mutations make the virus, turn the virus into something that is less able to replicate itself, then that actually has an an impact on the rapidity with which it can infect cells and cause disease. This may be a naive question, but remember, I'm a psychiatrist, okay? What's the difference between what we would call a long-term non-progressor that has HIV and these elite controllers? Or is there a difference? That's a really important question. Initially, when we started looking at people that had been infected for a long time and didn't seem to be getting sick, the term long-term non-progressor was coined. And it was the parameters that were used to define those individuals were mainly CD4 count and duration of infection. So by some criteria, it would be eight years infected with a CD4 count of greater than 500. Other people defined those long-term non-progressors as 10 years infected with a CD4 count of greater than 600. So there are quite a number of different definitions used. We and others have coined the term elite controller based on viral load, basically the level of viremia. And for an elite controller, we define that as somebody that's been, has had documented infection for at least a year and has a viral load of 50 copies or less and on at least three determinations. We're really desperate to find additional people to enroll in the studies that we're doing right now And so any physicians that are out there or any patients that may be hearing this radio report, uh, we would really encourage to get in touch with us. And again, these are people that are not on therapy but have viral loads of less than 50 copies. 
and I, I, I can give you in details about how to reach us. Yes, or, please. Uh, people can look at our website that we've created, www.hivcontrollers.org. www.hivcontrollers.org. Yes. Great. Or again, people can also look at our website, reachmd.com, and find the information there as well. Well, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We've been talking with Dr. Bruce Walker about these elite controllers, people that without medication seem able to control their HIV infection for decades. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and downloadable podcasts, visit our website at www.reachmd.com. For comments and questions, call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening.